a word that's been used a lot. Uh, it's been bandied about as an insult uh, against the left wing, against queers. A lot of queers is the idea of self-infantilization, right? There's a, we're turning ourselves into babies, or that's sort of like a hallmark of the soy individual is this person that's not willing to accept the prospects of a real adult, like uh, eating red meat and owning a pickup truck and having a mortgage and having uh, children that you dislike. Uh, you know, those are the real things that you do if you're Mayan. And but if you're a soy boy, you know, you're 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 doing you're eating too many Funko Pops every day. You know, you're just cooking up your you're you're deep frying your Funko Pops and then you're eating it very slowly. Uh, so, yeah, you're not a you're not a man. You know, you're never man. You know, so uh, you're you're a child. You're a boy. You have descended into this constant pit of infancy. And uh, I think we have that view of uh, that that nerd culture around us, the thing which is over-obsessive about nostalgic media products, specifically, you know, cartoons or superheroes, these sort of bright, colorful things that get into your head when you're really young, and they just you know because you witnessed them at the exact right time when you were like six years old oh i just like captain america now i just like spider-man now you know there's no fighting it i saw him it's too late i saw him when i was young and it you know the good the the cool design provoked my young mind and he could go thwip his little power fantasy and now that shapes fucking spider-man because I saw Spider-Man when I was six. Now the universe is partially interpreted through the lens of a constant Spider-Man, you know. Oh, eventually you evolve out of that, you know. Hopefully you get out of your Spider-Man lens or your Batman lens or, you know, whatever. Or, or I mean, maybe not. Maybe it's fine to constantly revel in it, especially if you're, like, an actual comic artist. If you're drawing Spider-Man, you sort of need your Spider-Man lens, but... Um, yeah, I guess that's the other thing I want to tell you, that sort of negotiation between uh, is it okay to indulge in your sort of um, childlike instincts or your, your love of these sort of uh, media properties. I should just say media properties, but any sort of like uh, television show, you know, movie or anime that you enjoyed as a kid or perhaps is even made for children, uh, but you now enjoy as an adult. Uh, or, you know, what if a cartoon is really good, you know, like Adventure Time? Is it childlike to consistently want to watch Adventure Time over and over again? I say no, because, uh, the quality exceeds that. But, you know, everybody has a line, you know, some people won't watch My Little Pony, right? Because it has the fan base and people assumes I've never watched it myself. I'm afraid I'll like it. If I see, <laughs> I guess that's the other thing. If you like uh, indulge in those childish things, is like oh, I'm afraid I'll lay. I'm afraid if I watch fucking Bluey, you know, it seems like every sort of milk toast TikTok adult is talking. Oh, I love Bluey. I just sit down in my jammy jams and I watch my Bluey over and over again. It's an Australian puppy. She's sassy. And, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid that if, you know, I give Bluey a chance, it'll, it'll get its hooks into me. Um, so I sort of, uh, intentionally avoid stuff like that. It was also good because the last, the last thing that I took in that was specifically made for children, uh, and it sort of just, like, turned me off of all children. Even, and I love animation, so even if it's, like, something that I want to see because I think the animation will be really cool, like, uh, for some reason, like, Space Jam, <laughs> the Space Jam, the LeBron <laughs> Space Jam movie just was like, okay, I can't, I can never watch a piece of children's media again. I just have no interest in this now. Which extended to the Marvel movies, which even though they have, like, jokes about... <laughs> abortion jokes in the black widow movie i still consider them children's movies somehow you know i would still <laughs> i would still have my eight-year-old you know and they make an abortion joke in the black widow movie yeah it's fine i'll explain abortion to you 
I mean, that's what happened to me. You know, that's how I learned what gay was, was because of The Simpsons. In one episode, uh, Bart uh, makes a prank call and he says, homosexual. And I asked my mom, what's a homosexual? And she says, oh, it's a gay guy. <laughs> and so that's how I found So, you know, you learn stuff through cartoons. So uh, I, I don't know what I'm saying. But um, yeah, I guess um, there is a negotiation. I think I've said before on this podcast or something, you should eventually outgrow your childish trappings. I've made comics about it. One, one popular comic I made about it, also sort of tangentially related to Space Jam, uh, was uh, the one where the fella is, uh, you know, he's he's watching a YouTube video called The Secret Marxism of Space Jam. I didn't know at the time there was actually a very popular leftist YouTube video named by uh, Jack Saint, I think. Uh, follow me on uh, Twitter. Good person, good YouTuber, Jack Saint. I have nothing against Jack Saint. <laughs> Uh, uh, but you know, I, I, I think part of that sort of leftist media strategy of really going hard on sort of like the secret Marxism of X or, you know, the secret Marxism of Pixar or, you know, the secret Marxism of is the idea that you're talking to a young audience. You are talking, you're specifically gearing your material towards, Young, impressionable minds in, like, the early days of that YouTube stuff, it was specifically geared at, at like, young people that were watching Sargon videos. And, you know, it was like, oh, all these young people are getting radicalized by these fucking Sargon videos. Maybe try and make some, some stuff about the secret Marxism of Pixar so, so that they don't get radicalized as much. What's something that young people know? They know about Pixar, the secret <laughs> I know about space, but yeah, I think that sort of intense, me, intense media-focused version of uh, sort of YouTube uh, Marxist analysis uh, definitely has the younger person in mind, which is you know why you eventually outgrow it because it's also the style that it's presented in is usually very hectic and energetic and you know very stimulating and you know. Um, uh, even you know the joke nowadays of I was talking with uh, June on the episode with her uh, where we were talking about uh, uh, the <laughs> the Michael Parenti video she edited along with the subway surfers and and the tactile sand um, but you know that that is how I liked uh, absorbing information as a kid even you know before this uh, world of overstimulation, and uh, I was I was always you know sort of doing two things at once, um, but uh, I think just naturally as you get older, for me, uh, I in in the comic the person is is uh, watching the secret Marxism of Space Jam, and then they acknowledge they're thirty three years old, and they go to a bookshelf and they sort of tiredly look at a book of famous naval battles and sort of. Uh, that has been my experience just getting older. I crave more boring forms of information delivery and just sort of more boring information. You know, uh, I, I don't need to, I don't need it to, to be presented as energetically anymore. In fact, I would like it to be presented less energetically because I'm just tired a lot now. <laughs> yeah. So as I've gotten older, I've sort of um, started to enjoy more boring things and have, have had less of a tolerance for that sort of ultra frenetic way of um, uh, engaging with people or you know I think maybe that's why I <laughs> I like the everything everywhere all at once movie but it had like I think I would have liked it more if I were 10 years younger I would have really 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 liked that movie but for some reason I just felt I felt really tired. I felt really old somehow watching it. You know, this type of this type of thing no longer appeals to me. This sort of like Edgar Wrightish like pace that I used to love so very very much. You know, the feeling's gone now. I want to watch something real slow, you know, or something. You know, I mean, not that I'm much of like a cinema snob or watch anything you know particularly good or anything like that. But I've just find myself craving uh less frenetically presented stuff over time i guess is is the overall uh sentiment um 
but yeah, I think that uh, goes to a lot of you know why do why do we like why do we hate adults that act like children? Uh, you know, I think there's some idea that it's you know I guess people don't like baby talk in general. You don't like adults act like kids because like a big adult who's a kid, there's something you know meh, weird or. No, it's like in that Junji Ito panel when, you know, the bully mother is bullying the child and then she dresses like a child. There's sort of like a horror and a disgust of like a, of a mature creature reverting back to this state, but with, you know, the power and the ability of a mature creature, you know, but um, they have, you know, the strength of an adult, but the mind of a child, you know, which is why I believe that Honey, I Blew Up the Kid is one of the most terrifying <laughs> movies of all time. I shudder to think of a gigantic toddler, something that is uh, not mitigated by reason or feeling or thought, only by impulse, and that you can't really murder. You know, <laughs> you know, it's it's a tough situation. They couldn't they couldn't murder the, the giant toddler. You know, what if they did? <laughs> I mean, that would be like a pretty. There's a oh, there's a giant toddler fucking up Las Vegas. They're, oh, well, I guess we gotta kill it. <laughs> nah, they're not gonna they're not gonna do that. Uh, maybe that's what that's what they would have done in real life. You know, I'm glad we don't have the real life gritty version of Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, <laughs> where where they just you know nuke the toddler. <laughs> uh, no, no, um. And I haven't seen that movie. Maybe the to does the toddler do they try to nuke the toddler? Does the toddler resist bullets or something like? I don't know. I I, I can't remember the last time I saw that movie. At any rate, um, yeah. So there's there's some, you know, weird initial disgust of adults, you know, doing baby talk. To some people love it. Some people love doing baby talk to each other. That's their whole life. I think it's, it, once again, it all comes down to a sort of personal preference thing. But if you, you know, look at it objectively, or, you know, what is objective, but if you try and get outside of your own set of prejudices, you know, there's nothing really wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with adults acting like children or anything like that, you know, unless, you know, I guess the big thing where it comes down to is if you are somehow perceived as abdicating your adult responsibility because you act like a child. That's where this sort of moral or, oh, you're ruining society because you depend on the actual adults who are responsible for you and your and your vinyl figurine habit. You know, you're spending all of your all of your neat bucks on vinyl figurines and I'm the one paying for that when you should be the one working. So... Um, I think sometimes, you know, people are annoyed by that as well, but really, why do you care? You know, why do you care if someone is spending the neat bucks? Do you think their lives are so much better than yours that, <laughs> you know, you need to fixate on hatred of them because they don't work? Maybe you just hate working. Maybe you should find a way to scam the system. You know, you're so convinced that it's a better life. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, that sort of fixating on sort of the irresponsibles of society um that's that's some pretty right right wing brain shit um you know the the constant sort of welfare queen that that richmond north of richmond fella uh clarified his position and it turns out he's sort of vaguely centrist or politically incoherent which is which is funny you know sure why not i could see i even if the song was astroturfed I can see why it's extra popular because its sentiment does appeal to the vast majority of people, including me, who are entirely politically coherent. Not that I enjoyed that song. Uh, it, it, I, I, I'm fine with the, the welfare people eating fudge rounds. That doesn't bother me. I don't know why it would bother anybody. <laughs> I, what are you... Oh, there's a fat guy somewhere. There's a fat guy who's not working somewhere. I don't know how proportional this amount is. This is, I guess, because you imagine in your head, you know, this is what you imagine this legion, this army of, of you know, welfare queens when really, I don't know. I don't I don't think they're I don't have any strong suspicion that there are tons of people who are gaming the government for any significant amount of money that would really make me lose sleep over my tax contribution at night. 
you know, the people that are really gaming the government for money are guys like Elon Musk. You know, that guy, you know, he takes he, he's responsible for siphoning off way more of your tax dollars than all of the fucking welfare queens combined. So think about that for a second. Think about that. You know, maybe you're precious capitalists. <laughs> Maybe your precious heroes. That's right, we're leftists. That's right, we're the secret Marxism of Space Jam now. Um, that <laughs> um, yeah, there is a maybe there is a secret. I I think I have maybe I have seen that video or so. I forget what the argument of why there is a secret Marxism to it, but I'm sure it's good. I I I don't know anything about it. Um. I the thing about yeah self infantilization being lobbied at the left especially is because I think there is this image of people on the left as being welfare queens when really or you know or even like the anti work people if you want to view that subreddit or those folks who are really enthusiastic about anti work in the least charitable light you'd say they're ah oh, they're moochers but it's really I think in in, in sort of uh, the better definition, it's just we have all this work in society and it's what, you know, David Graeber's bullshit jobs was getting after. There is all this unnecessary make work that we have to do just because we sort of trapped in these endless cycles where these markets keep repeating even though they don't have any true value or even if the value has been outdated because you know the people that uh control it have like monopolistic hegemonic ability to to guide our our actual need or maybe not maybe there is an invisible free hand i don't think so i think um it is much more likely that uh demand is driven by uh regulation and a combination of regulation and uh manufactured consent as the old as the old chomp chomp guy would say right uh you know call call me call me a pinko for that but i it's like yeah you know our our need is uh, tons of our needs are totally artificially driven you know when i first most viscerally viscerally realized that is uh when i realized i was a child and i bought a butterfinger and here's the thing about Butterfinger. C-tier candy bar. I'm sorry, Butterfinger fans. It's a C-tier candy bar. And you know the only reason why I bought that Butterfinger? It's because Bart Simpson recommended it to me. I was like, Bart won't steer me wrong. And I bought the Butterfinger and it was C-tier. So my reliance on nostalgia, my reliance on this uh, totemically important childhood media property led me to disaster. It led me to ruin. Ah, Butterfingers aren't that bad. They'll do it in a pinch. They're not my favorite, though. Crunches used to be better. I like to crunch or crackle in the States. You have a crunch or a crack. <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, the other thing with self-infantilization is I, I notice it in myself, too, because I think there is a part of yourself that is disgusted with your lack of ability to take on adult responsibility. Or I think if there's anything which defines an adult to me in my, in my head it's the ability to look after and take care of and to be responsible or to have some sort of uh, dominion is the wrong word but to have some sort of thing that if you don't nurture it no one else will so you have to uh do that um you have to take a, a sort of a self-imposed duty is always the uh, it seems to be the true nature of adulthood, whether you do it with family or community or through your craft or through anything, you know, that is the process of discarding your childhood trappings is you stop becoming a, a consumer, entirely consuming stuff, and you start making things. You start providing and you start building stuff, you know, that's sort of the real true pathway and you start taking on these projects and you know i think um you know that's why we associate the former trappings of adulthood are like um you have a house you have a car you have a family these sort of easy steps to understand as a sense of progression or accumulation uh, or a sense of you know earning those basic responsibilities that define you as a person with 
true agency because you know that's the only way you can really test your agency is by taking on these various responsibilities and following through on them and you know i think the people we admire most are the people that we say are adults or we consider you know uh, people who have their shit together are the ones that are capable of committing to a lot and uh delivering you know we like competent you know just the basically competent worker you know I think that is our image of what a good adult should be. We don't like players. We don't like people that play around and futz around because that's what children do. So, you know, that's another distinction, you know. If you play too much as an adult, you know, that is disgusting because you you have not, you have not, you know, effectively shown that you have taken on the responsibilities of your station. And of course, you know, people over extrapolate that idea and have no fun at all and don't allow themselves, you know, any sort of joy or silliness or levity in that. And of course, you know, that's no way to live as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there is sort of a natural need to be childish or even sort of revert to a state of you know, if not real innocence, a state of that anything can happen, you know, that sense you have a kid when, you know, the the doors aren't all, all slammed in front of you and, you know, their life is filled with possibility and, you know, that's why your imagination is so good. You know, that's why you were able to commit more to acts of imagination because you have that sense of possibility. You have that sense of magic in a way. You know, and I, I think people uh, recreate this childhood ritual of magic most often through, you know, I mean, that's what art is. You know, any a uh, lot of artists will tell you that or or even, you know, the skill of acting or something like that has been expressed by actors as sort of like a, a child's game as well. You know, ultimately, it's pretend, but this very advanced version of pretend and, you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. We, you know, we don't think of, you know, the great actors as being childlike. You know, we don't think of Daniel Day-Lewis. But he is. He's the master. He's doing pretend for a <laughs> You know, that's what he's doing at the end of the day. So, you know, why are some forms of self-infantilization, you know, uh, hated? But this form, you know, the, this child's game of, of pretend, you know, on a grand scale, why is it not? Because it's work. God damn it for Daniel Day Lewis. He does so much fucking research and he's so fucking serious about pretend. <laughs> but yeah, you know, even as I'm doing cartoons, you know, that's that's the constant thing you live with is like uh, when you're an adult who loves and draws cartoons is that am I, you know, am I too much like a kid? And I guess to, something that I eventually realized is I tried to be an adult. I tried to, you know, be a lawyer. You know, I tried to be an office worker, have traditional responsibilities of someone of my station, and I couldn't take it. It was, like, brutal to me. <laughs> I, 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 like, I didn't have the wherewithal to do it, which is astonishing because office jobs are not that hard. <laughs> they really aren't. Um, so, yeah, I... I felt down on myself specifically because I saw the pursuit of art as sort of this childish instinct, which in many ways, I, and you know, it's not even, it's true. It is, you know, in lots of ways, because you have to tap into that part of you that, you know, has imagination and wonder and, you know, the, all that fucking bullshit that you slowly lose over time as you, crave less frenetic f forms of presentation and want to read more books about famous naval battles, you know. It suddenly becomes work. It suddenly becomes a concentrated meditative activity to sort of enter this childlike creative state if you're an artist. At least it is for me. Some people are able to summon it. You know, we. Uh, I, I think that's... Uh, I think that's why a lot of great artists are sort of a little stupid, you know, because they can more easily enter that state, you know, because they're dumber as a child would be. Like Grimes, you know, because she has the mind of a child. Her heart is pretty good. And she does that weird baby talk shit, and her fans fucking love it, you know, so who am I? Who am I to do it? Uh, <laughs> I have no opinions on Grimes, but... Uh, 
I guess I just issued some opinions on Grimes. Who cares? It is weird that she hooked up with Elon. You know, it's hard to take her seriously, but uh, it's hard to take me seriously. So who cares what I have to think? Either way. Yeah, so, so you have all this self-infantilization talk, and it's leveled against, you know, left and the queers, especially because to a right-wing person where the, you know, the hallmarks of adulthood and thus being a useful citizen are, you know, you have a family, you have a car, you have a traditional job, you know, you, you do mining or you're an accountant, you know, you're not some sort of bullshit artist or something like that. You're not some sort of bullshit performance artist or, you know, hanging hanging your saddle out down at the old club for for coins you know you're in a respectable position like an insurance actuary for an oil field you know uh but um right-wing people are just as guilty of self-infantilization too not as uh the greatest example of course being the fucking friend phenomenon do you know about the friends? If you don't know about the friends, do you know about the Pepe's? Of course you know about the Pepe's. Well, everyone knows about Pepe. He's the frog by Matt Fury that gained a lot of traction on 4chan. Uh, just as a general meme at first, everyone knew feels good, man. But uh, then he started being used by the right wing as uh, their figure. Sort of has had a, you know, there's been documentaries on fucking Pepe. It's now evolved to, there's a shorter, more childlike crying frog. First there was the Groiper, who's like a gigantic, you know, hulking Baron Harkonnen-like version of the Pepe. But then it evolved into what I believe it is called the Apu, who is the little crying, tiny childlike frog that they post all the friend material with. Um, and so I'm just going to look up Fren now. This is F-R-E-N. This is how, uh, uh, of course, this is meant to say the word friend, but in sort of like a childlike baby speak. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they have all these pictures of these little cartoon characters poorly photoshopped in. What person says, good evening, friend. Uh, <laughs> Apu Pelas update. I'm going to create a YouTube channel, a Rumble channel, and a locals page for the Apu Pelas. Here's the deal: 100% free content. This guy's just making Apu cartoons. Okay, my friend searches is yielding. I should have prepared for this because it's not good. But yeah, you can look up friend. Here's a bunch of Apus wetting themselves, and they say, "Good morning, friends." Is that our friend Pepperoni? I see. I'm just reading these friend. Sorry to these, you know, right wing uh, weirdos posting <laughs> posting these apus that I'm reading this here. Uh, you know, I have nothing against you, uh, except your entire life is weird. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know what any of this is about, but you know, if you if you just yeah, if you look up F R E N friend, it yields some strange results of very right wing people expressing strange uh, sometimes frequently genocidal or fascistic thoughts through these little baby talk ooh-woo little big-eyed frog characters um i think it's even something i've talked before on the right wing how there's a frequent psychology i think uh in the june episode as well i mentioned my uh sort of fixation on that one fella i don't have a fixation on him really i just think he's interesting um as in as much as all right-wing artists who have some measure of craft are interesting because he is able to articulate his sort of deep libidinal Freudian thoughts in ways that I don't know if he understands himself, but are sort of apparent to somebody that, you know, thinks about stuff like that, uh, like me. And because he is able to render them so in, in such detail, it gives more life to these sort of, deep libidinal urges that are at the core of his character so you have this uh, and in the last episode I, I mentioned that i mentioned george alexopoulos he's uh, uh he's this uh right-wing cartoonist i think it's g prime 85 don't look him up you don't need to get but you've probably if you're on twitter at all you've probably seen his cartoons and he has this um pretty uh detailed you know he has he has a lot of craft to him he definitely is a competent draftsman 
but he has all these anti-woke takes or he has this, uh, I think one, which, you know, even got shared amongst the left wing because I, you know, Biden is sort of ghoulish, but he is the one where he's, uh, Biden is a ghoul and he's, a, it was that quote of him. If you don't vote for Biden, you ain't white. And then he saps a black woman, saps a black woman's color. And I saw left wing people sharing this meme. It was like, no, it's not, it's not what you think. It's not, you shouldn't do this one. Shouldn't share this comic. And it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not, uh, but yeah, it's also, uh, I think because they're so well rendered, there is an appealing quality to it. Um, if you just look at it and you don't read the actual content, he, he understands, you know, composition and form and all that stuff. So, uh, which is good because the content is is real, is real weird a lot of the time. He's real, uh, real rapey a lot, <laughs> a lot of the time. You know, it's not uh, a strange relationship with women. Um, seems a little stunted. But who am I to judge? But one I always found really interesting, which I mentioned during the June episode as well, there's this, and it also got really popular on right-wing Twitter, because uh, uh, it, it, uh, it really illustrated a very visceral fear they have, which is the fear of you know, some sort of public humiliation at the hands of the woke. Uh, except as expressed through a child, the the comic is a large-eyed child is large-eyed white child is <laughs> a large-eyed white child is going to his first day of school, and uh, he then his first he's oh boy it's my first day of school and then there's all these pointing accusing fingers of like you're white you have to pay for the crimes of your ancestors we're doing CRT there's lots of critical race theory and you're white so you're bad. And then the white child is, you know, berated throughout the day and he comes back and he's like all tired and he's a husk of a child. And the parent obliviously asks, how was your day, honey? Not knowing how bad the CRT has gotten in schools. And so, yeah, that that illustrates a very real fear that the right wing people have. But um, more so, it's like he's the kid in the strip. You know, he, he, that's how he feels. He feels like he is being accused and he is an innocent. And I think that's really interesting because that's sort of just this universal human behavior. If we are challenged or if, you know, we have to accept some part of us may need work or if we are criticized in any way, we all revert back to, no, I'm just a small little guy. When you're mean to me, this is who you're mean to. You know, they all, all, you know, just because we want a genocide, just because we want to, you know, uh, I don't know if they want to genocide people, but uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should say that. You know, I think in their own way, they sort of do. They all have that, uh, the meme, the billions must die meme guy in them <laughs> to some degree. Maybe not. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I'm not even convinced that, you know, people weren't doing the self-infantilization shit back in the day. I just don't think people talked about it as much. But I think, you know, uh, people obsessed over uh, childlike shit constantly, right? Or maybe I'm wrong about that. It's, I guess, you know, just the sheer amount of childlike stuff that we have nowadays is, is just uh, so vast and arcane compared to, like, you know, what if you were, like, a, 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 an adult in, like, the 1800s who was still really into Punch and Judy? You know, would your friends call you, like, a soy, a, a soy boy? They make fun of your pantaloons because you were still really into Punch and Judy? It's like, you, you should have outgrown that ages ago. I don't know why they're British, because, you know, that's how people talked back then. <laughs> they talked like this back then. They talked like a modern London guy. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, uh, why, why is there this great fervor, this great worry, especially nowadays, that uh, we're all too young, you know, we're all too uh, stuck in this constant adolescence you know we're all the nerd crew you know we're all soy facing uh teenagers unwilling to accept the responsibility of 
uh, adulthood, and that's, you know, more than anything else, more than hypernormalization, that's why we can't really get along in this society because we have all seemingly abdicated this this adult responsibility or that that's how it feels if you sort of carry this sort of innate hatred or mistrust of the childlike adult or something like that um i guess you know and if you hate the friends and you hate the childlike people you just don't like them you know that's i'm not begrudging you that either you know just dislike whoever you want just don't try to not to be mean too mean about it you know start shit uh, needlessly, you know, you don't need to do that. But yeah, secretly hate or find disgusting whoever you want, but don't, you know, <laughs> try not to be mean about it. Um, but um, yeah, I think uh, I I think uh, the easiest ex- reason for why there is this obsession with extended adolescence is because of these material economic reasons. I don't think I'm the first person to observe this, but uh, all of these hallmarks of what made you an adult, what are the types of responsibilities that you can take on uh, that will make you an adult? You know, that's family, house, you know, job. Uh, and usually in the in the sort of the old mid-century version or the, yeah, the, I, I, I always feel like... Uh, the sort of values we're always fighting against were those values that really fomented post-war. You know, that is the nuclear family. That is the, the Simpsons family that the Simpsons was commenting on, the imperfection of that family. But I still think that even though we've progressed far beyond that, that idea of the nuclear family and the house and the car and the suburbs as these hallmarks of adult, it didn't go away. It still remains this sort of untenable or unreachable idea of attaining some sort of new station in life evolving to charizard if you will we're all charmeleons we're stuck in this charmeleon form and we're all yearning to be charizards uh but but, uh uh you know we press we keep pressing b button on the evolution so we don't evolve we we have all these everstones equipped on us in order to use a very childlike analogy um and uh, yeah, it's, it's these material reasons. We can't afford a fucking family. We can't afford a car. We can't afford a house. You know, all the union stuff was eroded, so we have no job security. You can't get. You need a huge education in order to get some sort of professional job that would have paid as much as a uh, a union labor job. You know, in the fifties. You know, so uh, all of these entitlements just got eroded over time. So. Literally all these hallmarks of adulthood were physically kept out of reach for a lot of people. So, you know, if society is telling you, you know, you can't have all of these things that will signify your traditional passage into adulthood, then, uh, you know, why not descend into your childhood instincts? Why not, you know, uh, become obsessed over a video game that you played with when you were seven? Or, you know, why not become... A Disney adult you know why not seek these alternative sources of comfort because the more advanced versions of comfort the more sort of satisfying life versions of that have been just kept away from you systematically and deliberately you know isn't there maybe there's even a sense of rebellion in sort of descending into this permanent adolescence, a sense of, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me as well. You know, you can constantly thwart or spite the people that took away your chances at doing this by just, oh, you oh you expect me to act like a goddamn baby? I'll act like a goddamn baby all day. I'm going to talk about nothing but the MCU for 20 years of my life. Uh, <laughs> And that's that's it. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really think that's that's one answer from it. You know, why do we have this? Uh, uh, why do uh, there's the material reason? You know, we can't afford stuff. I think it, it it probably goes there. Are other reasons. It probably goes deeper than that. I think uh, another reason why we have this obsession with uh, self infantilization. Uh, is because uh, 
you know, we also live in a, a culture where, you know, these huge amounts of uh, traffic are judged by, uh, like, groomer discourse, right? You know, fucking QAnon and shit. All of that shit is based around protect the children sentiment. So, um, the, the, the thing is, uh, it, 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 in Catcher in the Rye, you know, which is some have maligned it, some have criticized it. I think it's an all. It's I'm glad they made me read it. I think it's an all time classic. And I think one of the things it gets super right in that book is you know even the namesake of the book, the Catcher in the Rye, comes from the passage where uh, Holden Caulfield, the sort of traumatized, you know, pathetic teenager, is envisioning himself as you know, as somebody who is catching children, preventing them from going off a cliff, you know, sacrificing their innocence. He is the catcher in the rut. And so there, there is something so innate and perfect about the most pathetic. When you're at your most pathetic, you know, you start envisioning yourself as protector of child, you know, because that is the way I can restore. I may be at my lowest and I have sort of lost hope and wonder and, you know, the, the ebb of innocence has flowed away from me, but... I can, I can prevent, I can be the child's protector. So th there's something just, he totally nailed that. If you're a really fucking pathetic dude, like you will start staking your life out on being the protector of the children. I am the protector of the children. <laughs> Not all the time. I mean, sometimes it's like a, a penance for them as well. You'll see many, many such examples of these QAnon people, these child protectors, you know, having themselves once been child predators. And so, I don't know, I think they think there's some sort of act of penance in trying to do this, or they know what it's like. And they're, or maybe it's just, you know, some sort of pure hypocrisy, or they believe what they did wasn't as bad as what they're trying to fight against or something like that. But it's, you know, it's always weird like that. But yeah, so it, because, like, a huge part of our fucking weird political discourse now revolves around groomer discourse, you know, and I, I guess to some degree it always had, because that's been, you know, the anti-gay discourse was, oh, you're fucking groomers. You know, it's like, uh, oh, you're groomers. Um, so it becomes very easy to see an adult with childlike interests or childlike habits and be like, oh, that's clearly, you know, somebody who's a groomer because only an you know, adult who's in a groomer would be into these uh, childlike things, which, you know, that's, you know, something to look out for. But there are plenty of non-childlike adults that groom children too. I don't know the numbers on it, but I don't think, you know you can't really judge the likelihood of somebody uh, whether they're going to assault a child by whether they have childlike habits that's just but it, that's a tactic the right wing often uses oh you're into you're into a type of uh, you know steven universe you are you are a groomer <laughs> that, that's like they instantly associate it with that they instantly associate bean mouth with groomers which is so weird logical leap i've i've seen some strange right-wing people take as well so yeah i i i think uh that's sort of another reason why it's so prevalent because of this sort of gigantic culturally pathetic save the children movement uh you have against our our sort of you you have with our sort of weakest culture that discourse is somehow bubbled up in mainstream society and as a result more focus has been placed on that intersection between uh, childish behavior and adults. Um, if I were to, it, it's, yeah, it, and I think this is just always something that we've been doing, you know, whether it's having a zeitgeist now, I can't really share because, you know, I didn't live in the past. I, I wonder if there were other eras. I'm sure somebody who's a student of history can uh maybe enlighten me as to a moment where everyone was accusing each other of being babies and maybe every i mean here's the thing about us accusing each other of being babies too i don't want to say we're entirely wrong <laughs> like everyone is babies you know you know everyone is treats everyone is my tvs my stories my betty buys you know you know everyone has sort of uh, this great cultural reversion or regression maybe it's because of covid i don't fucking know but it does seem to be something that's about, 
and I don't know what to say say about it. I don't know whether it's just because I hang out in these realms and in Twitter where people are discussing it, but it do feel I do feel like the idea of extended adolescence is um, you know taking hold. You know, only just now in my mid thirties are all of my friends uh, having kids. You, you know, back back in the day, you know, I remember when I was ten years old and. Uh, you know, my mom, she was a teacher. I remember her students, you know, like coming back and at age 23 or 24, they would be having kids. You know, they, they were just having kids. But they were embarking. And I remember, you know, 10 years later, they were all fucking divorced. You know, I remember going to the wedding of one of my mom's students. And then five years later, oh, she's gay, you know, and she's she's doing gay lifestyle. So, so it always seemed like I guess that's the other thing about uh, maybe there is more desire to go into that childhood trapping or not take on the the traditional forms of uh adulthood through marriage and stuff like that because you just see how it's you just enough people see that sort of bullshit all these marriages end you know you're not a better or more responsible person because you got married you made a huge commitment but it's only like you only bear the adulthood fruit out of it if you commit to the commitment, right? Which seems like most people don't want to do to marriage, you know? Because it seems like it sucks unless you're really, really into that person. Which, you know, I love people. Frankly, I've never been so into someone yet that I'm like, Hey, do you want to combine our fucking bank accounts? I've never, <laughs> I've never been that into somebody. That shit's crazy to me. Hey, do you want to get all of our financial shit wrapped up together? That seems like a huge nightmare to me, and I guess that's how I'm childish. Or maybe I have just accepted that this is not necessarily a trapping of adulthood, this incredibly foolhardy enterprise that you enter with. An... Sorry to be saying, sorry, marriage, but I'm sure marriage is great. If you really love the person, of course it makes sense to wrap your finances together if you see yourself in a long-term position with them. Uh, you know, marriage is good for those, but I, I, I think using it as a hallmark for adulthood was wrong because there, uh, you know, tons of people who are married that shouldn't be married and whose marriages really only bring out their more childish aspects. You know, they sort of, you know, revert to this selfish state because suddenly they are, uh, confronted with the fact that they really can't do anything, everything they want anymore, you know? And, you know, maybe that's sort of uh, uh, also self-criticism, a regret, a regret that I have, knowing that I'm sort of been averse to long-term relationships for a while because I like being able to do whatever I want at any time, like that old, you know, Kramer thing. Marriage, Jerry, it's prisons. You go home and you say, how was your day? You know, <laughs> and, you know I, I think that speech really scared me. <laughs> I like anytime I even think about wanting to be in like a really long term relationship with someone, I think of that Kramer's speech. It's like, forget about watching TV while you're eating dinner anywhere. It's like, oh no. Uh, <laughs> which is, I'm sure, you know, taking life lessons from Kramer, who is a childish goon. You know, that's not good, but, uh, you know, I sort of felt that way. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe it is the more adult thing to not have children if you know you're not responsible enough to take children. What if it is a responsibility to not have children? Maybe you're someone like me who actually kind of wants kids. He sees a value to it. You know, I like cute thing. I, I like, you know, raising a cute thing. That idea seems nice to me. But I need a partner and I need, you know, money that I don't fucking have. I think I'm okay. I think I could probably make a morally good person or at least not a serial killer. And, you know, why not? That's, like, hard-coded into us, right? We're supposed to want kids, you know? I have that instinct sometimes, but it's just... I can't do it. I'm not responsible enough for it. It's fucked up, you know? And maybe that is a more of a sign of maturity, more of a sign of adulthood than actually doing the thing and bringing somebody into the world you're not prepared for and then producing somebody terrible as a result of it. So maybe, you know, focusing on Funko Pops as our hobby instead of producing a wretched human life is the more adult decision somehow in the end. Um, 
Maybe not. Maybe focusing on the Funko Pops isn't the more adult decision. But, um, yeah, I, it, it, I think it's obviously mercurial and subjective. And if I really had to come down to it, I do think there is a sort of measure of adulthood by the responsibilities you take. But in sort of, you know, there's a more tender, more human version of that, which is the, it's not necessarily the responsibilities you take, but the people you care for, which is a responsibility in itself, but it is also a joyful responsibility. Because to nurture somebody else, to truly uh, give yourself unto them, and to use your resources and your energy to enrich their life, you know, that to me is the true responsibility. You are defined more than anything else uh, by, not necessarily by your accomplishments or your, uh, your failures or anything else, but by your close relationships that you put work into maintaining and the people that you have decided to care for. And I think as long as you're able to do that, you know, as long as you're able to put yourself out there and genuinely care for it, just at least, you know, one or two people. Hell, you know, just uh, put your feet in the water with a dog or something. But you need to be able to care for others. That, to me, is like having a stake or an investment in uh, the human meat and existence of another person, if I had to say there is any measure of adulthood, that's the one. And you know what? You can still do that while liking the fucking MCU or Doctor Who or Funko Pops or whatever. There's nothing preventing you from doing that if you like all of these childish things. So, you know, I think... More than anything else, if, if you want to sort of combat that feeling of self-infantilization, develop strong relationships with people and really put effort into caring about them. I have a hard time doing that. I barely do that. I avoid that shit like the plague because it's difficult. It involves putting yourself out there. It involves being vulnerable around people. It involves like doing shit you don't want to do all the time if somebody needs you to do something for them and you're like, I'd rather not. You know, I mean, I think that's why people uphold family so much because family's sort of a shortcut to that. Here's like a list of people you've been given by blood who you automatically have this sort of level of care or understanding for and you can develop your relationships with them that way. But, you know, for a lot of people that don't have this relationship with their family or a lot of queer people who have been ostracized from their families you know they obviously develop it in the relationships with their their friends and their foundlings and the people they care for that way but um yeah that's sort of if i if i want to end it on anything how do we solve this feeling that we're all fucking babies and it's investing in your relationships with others and caring for them and that's all I have to say about that. Thank mm-hmm. you.